0: Welcome, football fans. Buckle up for another hard-hitting episode of Player 54 Podcast, a show focused solely on the XFL. From a sunny southwest Florida studio, here's your host, Michael Lythra.
1: Hello, football fans. This is episode 100, a milestone celebration. This episode is brought to you by our friends at True Victory. If you are not perfect... If you have ever struggled, if you have ever failed, if you have ever been the underdog, if you have ever doubted yourself or been doubted by others, if you want to get better, be better, and make our world better, this is the perfect brand for you. Founded by U.S. military veterans, True Victory is a sportswear and streetwear brand dedicated to building everyday champions on and off the field. True Victory is not simply a company. They're a cause. Its purpose is to transform lives and elevate humanity through the power and unity of sports, positive stories, and serving others. They are dedicated to the game, the grind, and the globe. But most importantly, they are dedicated to you. If you want to strive for something better while proudly showing others your determination, grit, and supporting people like yourself, Check out the True Victory Shop by simply clicking on the link provided in the show's description and notes and enter the code PLAYER54 at checkout to receive 15% off your purchase. Hello, amigos. The Player 54 podcast, Michael Latrobe. Congratulations, my friend. Felicidades. Cien capítulos del podcast. Yes, in Spanish and English. Congratulations is a big number, it's a big mission. You are the man. You are the man, Michael. Congratulations. Felicidades, amigo.
0: Hey, Mike, it's Zach, a.k.a. Zach the Voice from the Renegades Roundup and a host of other various podcasts. Just wanted to drop in and give you a quick shout out and congratulate you on reaching the century mark for your podcast podcast. 100 episodes is a big achievement, and it takes a lot of effort and dedication to reach that milestone, and I just wanted to personally send over my congrats and my thanks for letting me be a small part of the big thing that you're doing for the XFL community. It takes a lot of work, like I said, to be able to pump out that kind of content regularly, and you do it, and you do it well with a lot of quality, a lot of great insights, and you make this XFL community a better place with the stuff that you do. So congrats, and I'm looking forward to seeing what you can do with the next 100. Hey guys, it's Colin Watkins from the Rough'em Up podcast, and I would like to congratulate Michael on 100 episodes of the Player 54 podcast. While things have been uncertain with the XFL and spring football these past two years, one thing has been certain, that Michael would make a great show Every single week. So, you know, I've been on his show before or one of his shows before, and I've talked to Michael outside of the XFL, you know, sphere of influence. And let me tell y'all something Michael is a great guy, he's passionate. He's good at what he does, and he is so consistent, and he is truly an A-tier member of the XFL spring football alternative football media community. So once again, Michael, congratulations, man. You deserve it. 100 episodes of the Player 54 podcast. It's been a blast, and hey, here's to 100 more. So once again, Michael, congratulations. And gals and football fans of all ages. Rod Peterson here. Uh, Just want to send a big shout-out to Michael and the Player54 podcast uh, on a great job well done. And congratulations on 100 episodes. As a guy that hosts a podcast every day, radio and television show, it ain't easy. And that is a sign of wonderful longevity and a great show. And uh, Michael, obviously, we all know, because we're all here, know that he knows his stuff. And he's uh, been wonderful at carrying the flag of the XFL. Who knows what's next, but I know the Player 54 podcast is going to be uh, front and center, and I'm glad to be uh, just a small part pulling on the rope. Way to go, Michael.
2: What do I say about Michael Lathrop, Player 54, Let's Talk XFL? Well, the one thing I can say about Michael Lathrop is he is a very upstanding dude, great reporting and everything that he does has been a faithful follower of the XFL since way back in the 01 era with the New Jersey, New York, New Jersey Hitman. And then when he moved to Orlando area, became a guardians fan. He is a huge supporter of the X fan Legion and a big, big component of the X fan Legion with pl- hosting player 54. And, The Neon Green Mafia. All I got to say to you, Michael, is congratulations on episode 100. Someday, someday you'll get to episode 1500 like me and Arlington have over here at X Fan Show. But other than that, brother, I love you. Keep up the good work and let's get it going.
3: Hey, Michael. This is Matthew with the XFL Insider Podcast. I just want to say thank you for all your hard work that you and the contributors have done for your show. Uh, Congrats on the 100th episode. It's been a long run for you, man. I know initially when I started following was way before I ever thought I'd be on the media train, and and much of what you've done, I've tried to do uh, by example from from what I saw from you. So I appreciate what you what you brought to the table, and you just kind of leading the front on the XFL podcast uh, community. So thank you, man. Appreciate the interviews you do, the opinions, the information you bring to the table, uh, even the in person. Uh, Just like doing the actual events and then sharing that. And it's awesome, dude. So thank you so much, Mike. Appreciate you and your show again for all you've done for the community and spring football or XFL and and hope to keep seeing you guys be successful in your future.
4: This is Greg parks of XFL board.com. I just want to give a shout out to Mike Lathrop for his 100th episode of the player 54 podcast. I've had the pleasure of joining Mike a couple of different times on that podcast. As we talk XFL, like me, Mike is someone who goes way back in his XFL fandom, all the way back to XFL 1.0 back in 2001. And, uh, he's had a, a great host of guests on the player 54 podcast from, uh, players to management to dean blandino to members of the um, xfl showcases and combine so he's really covered so much that's so important uh, in this community on his podcast so i just want to shout out mike and say thanks for doing what you're doing hope you keep up the good work and uh it's been a pleasure being a small part of those 100 episodes
1: I am grateful to Calero Sports and Game Plans' Oscar Clegriga, Renegades Roundup' Zach Arnold, Ruff Em Up Podcast' Cullen Watkins, the Rod Peterson Show's Rod Peterson, the X-Fan Show's Jason Spurgeon, the XFL Insider Podcast' Matthew Tyler, and XFL Board's Greg Parks for submitting your clip and thoughts on the shows and my contribution to the alternative football and XFL communities. When I launched this show in October of 2021, I set out to do a 20-30 to minute simple and straightforward podcast. Yet along the way, Alternative Football community members reached out and provided feedback on what they felt the community was lacking in XFL coverage. Being the team player that I am, I tried the best to accommodate. Knowing I was a new kid on the block, I understood it would be a lengthy process and require more of my time and commitment. I did not hesitate and realized I must crawl before I could walk and eventually run. Thankfully, my friend and show contributor, Brian Roth, agreed to appear as the show's first ever guest and frequently returned to help establish the new format. Along the way, I've been fortunate to have an array of XFL-related guests. Each of them are equally important. However, I would like to take a moment and recognize the guests who have made multiple appearances. Contributor Brian Roth, Contributor Mark Hallbach, XFL Vice President of Officiating and Playing Rules Innovation Dean Blandino, ESPN Analyst Tom Luganville, Group Administrator and Podcaster Brett Tears, Podcaster and Pro Football Newsroom Contributor Zach Kyleman, Pro Football Newsroom Journalist James Larson, XFL Board Writer Greg Parks, XFL News Hub Journalist Anthony Miller, Former Houston Roughnecks Wide Receiver Aaron Nelson, and alternative football historian and podcaster, Greg James. In addition to welcoming and learning from many guests, the show has provided me with the opportunity to attend XFL showcases, Orlando Guardians Fan Fest, and so much more. But along the way, the thing I value most are the connections and friendships I've made. To our listeners, if it were not for those tuning in, the show would be nothing. So, Thank you for tuning in each week and allowing the show to be a source of league information and news. We plan on navigating the uncertain road ahead. Hopefully, together, this won't be the only milestone the show achieves. This week, we have several XFL developments to discuss. In addition, former DC Defenders tight end Bernard McCall joins the show to discuss his football journey and XFL showcase experience. But first, we have those developments to cover. So, let's get to it. On October 23rd, XFL Communications Department announced 23 players have signed a letter of intent with six XFL teams DC Defenders, Houston Roughnecks, San Antonio Brahmas, Seattle Sea Dragons, St. Louis Battlehawks, and the Vegas Vipers. On October 24th, XFL Communications Department announced 13 players have signed a letter of intent with the XFL and six teams Arlington Renegades, DC Defenders, Houston Roughnecks, Orlando Guardians, San Antonio Brahmas, and Seattle Sea Dragons. Among the players announced is Baylor wide receiver Drew Estrada, whose rights will be assigned at a later date. On October 25th, XFL Communications Department announced 13 players have signed a letter of intent with three XFL teams Arlington Renegades, Orlando Guardians, and Seattle Sea Dragons. Also on October 25th, Memphis NBC affiliate Action 5 News anchor Ariana Poindexter interviewed the USFL Memphis Showboats Director of Marketing, Steve Macy. This interview was done during the Federal Regulatory 30-Day Review, also known as the Quiet Period. Macy sat down on camera to share this information. Here are a few interesting takeaways from this interview. First being, Memphis Showboats are returning for the 2024 season. Second, one combined league for the 2024 season. And third, no start date has been set. Once the USFL XFL merger submission has completed its federal regulatory review, details will be officially announced. On October 27th, XFL Communications Department announced two players have signed a letter of intent with the XFL and Seattle Sea Dragons. As I had previously mentioned, we will now be joined by former DC Defenders tight end Bernard McCall to discuss his football journey and XFL showcase experience. Welcome, Bernard. I appreciate you taking the time to come on to the show to discuss your football journey, XFL experience, and your continued effort to obtain another XFL opportunity.
5: Yes, sir. I appreciate you even taking the time to give me a chance when I reached out to you.
1: You are welcome. It's always a pleasure and honor to learn and share people's journeys and their stories. So it's truly a blessing on this end to have this opportunity. So before we dive into the XFL portion, I always like to go back, and I believe it's beneficial for our listeners, if we begin with a little bit of your backstory to provide everyone with a better understanding of who you are as a person and a player. I understand you played your collegiate ball at Division II Livingstone College. Yes, sir. Can you walk us through how you were introduced to the game of football your college recruitment, and eventually how your overall college playing experience was.
5: Okay. So I was naturally a basketball player. I was a triple double guy up until I got to high school. But I always, as a kid, I would like to watch my cousins and my siblings. Uh, I come from a very, very big family. Um, my dad, He spent some time in federal prison, so I was always around my siblings and my aunt and her kids. So I was always with them, and I was so much smaller, I hadn't hit my growth spurt. My dad is only 5'6", my mom is like 5'5". I wasn't expected to be very big, and so I was, you know, a crybaby like most young boys are who spend a lot of time with women. One day I was just mad, they wouldn't throw me the ball. And so I went in the house and I just pouted and my aunt pulled me to the side and was like, you go out there and you take the ball and you just make them tackle you. And so I went outside and I did it. And these guys are maybe five or six years older than me at the time. So they run, you know, they run and knock me over, but I got up and I was like, man, that wasn't that bad. And so my mom was against me playing football. She liked basketball, you know, one, because I was good at it at a young age. And then two, No, I I wasn't taking any contact. So my aunt, she just said she always had a feeling that football was for me. And at the time, I'm the littlest guy out there. And uh, she snuck behind my mom's back and signed me up for rec football. Now, I knew nothing about football outside of playing in the backyard. So I got on pads, and this is all new to me now. But my very first game, I played against my brother. He was on the other team. So I knew if he got the ball, I should just go tackle him. That's all I knew. And I just turned out to be pretty good. And then, uh, so my mom, she went back to college and graduated, a first-generation grad in our family. And then she took a teaching job in a whole other city in our state. So we moved there. And, uh... I probably wasn't going to play sports because I didn't have my aunt to back me up, but uh, I had a friend named Zeke. Uh, He ended up playing at Indiana, one of my best friends. Me and Zeke were the best of friends, but you always have that, that friendly rivalry. So in middle school, I wanted to be a running back and Zeke played running back. So we had a great coach and he would always make jokes. Well, I don't know, Bernard, maybe we just don't need you. We have Zeke. I'm like, oh, no, y'all got me. I'm coming. I'm coming to tryouts. You know, it was just friendly rivalry with me and Zeke, and we brought the best out of each other. The funny thing about it is neither one of us ended up playing running back. Uh, He was the quarterback, and I ended up being the wide receiver. So that was middle school and was skeptical on what high school I was going to go to because I'm one of those guys who I hate to lose more than I love to win. Like, I can tell you every game we lost my senior year of high school and how we lost it, the time on the clock and the score. And uh, so the school that my mom taught at, they just went 0-10 twice. So, but all of my friends that I had made are going there, so I'm like, well, maybe we could be the group to turn it around. So we get there. My freshman year, after my first JV game, the starting varsity safety got hurt. He broke his collarbone. And the coach comes to me that Monday morning. I was like, you know, didn't you play some safety in middle school? And I'm 13 at the time. I started high school at 13. And I'm like, yeah, I did. But, uh, you know, I don't think I can help y'all. And he just left for that. Day. He went and my mom taught at the high school. So he went to her and said, I want your boy to play varsity. These are the varsity practice times. He can still play JV if he wants to. He'll just play two games a week. So my mom calls the classroom that I'm in, and the teacher sends me down to my mom's office. I'm thinking I'm in trouble. And uh, she's like, yeah, you're going to play varsity this week. And this is against one of the best teams in the state at the time. So I'm already nervous. I've never been in the atmosphere. I don't even know what a homecoming is. So we go to the school on their team's homecoming. The I tackle one of the best running backs in the state. He drove me for like five yards, but I eventually got him down. And from then on, I thought to myself, like, you know, maybe I am pretty good at football. So that year, we won two games, but somehow through the point system, we made the playoffs. The next year, returned as a starter on the varsity team. And we were pretty good. We won three or four games, made the playoffs, lost in the first round again. But my junior year, we won one game. Quarterback got hurt, and that turned into me playing both ways. I had to play offense and defense, and that's when we realized. I can play a lot of positions, but I think I can go places playing offense. So I talked with my mom, thinking that transferring back to my hometown and just playing football there with my cousins. Like, cause I know I want to win. But she told me, whatever you start, you finish. So I stayed there for my senior year, and my head coach came to me and my frenzy. You know, for us to be successful, y'all will have to be unselfish. And that was a no-brainer. We was like, okay, we could be unselfish. What do you need? I need y'all to play both ways. Okay, that's fine. But he said, that means, you know, just some games y'all literally can't come out. So we played special teams. We played uh, offense and defense. You know, if he caught a pick, he may have to turn around and throw me a touchdown if he didn't score on the pick. And uh, so we did that and gave the school the best record that they had had in the last 10 years. We only won six games, but that was big for them at the time. And now they're in the lower state championship every other year now. But from there, I had nobody in my family before me was good at sports. So nobody received football scholarships. So I had really no guidance. I had interest from some schools, but I didn't know. Well, yeah, he's reaching out to me. Let me call and tell him how my Friday night was with this game. You know, I just was lost. So uh, I end up going to this Division three school called Greensboro College. I didn't belong there, and it's nothing against them. But, you know, I could have played somewhere, in my opinion, at the highest level. Like maybe maybe not even an SEC school, but maybe a Division one school. And I did a semester there, but my mom got sick. So I, it was a no-brainer for me to come home and take care of my mom. But it was a prep school that was ran like a junior college at the time. So I said, well, let me come and get my grades up and go somewhere from there. But they weren't responding to me. So I'm riding one day with my friends and I see their logo in a plaza. I do a U-turn in the middle of the road and I grab my cleats out the trunk and I walk in their office and then they're looking at me because I'm at the time I hit a growth spurt, I'm about 6'3", 220. So they're looking at me, Man, who are you? Just You know, you just busting in the office and I look at them, I pull my phone out, I said I have my highlights and I have my cleats. You know, I'm willing to do whatever for a shot. And they gave me a tryout date Ran a 40. They liked it. They brought me back for another one. Ran some routes. And I ended up playing there for two years and I did great. Left with some scholarships and then I went to Limestone, but at the time they didn't have the transfer rule. So I still had to sit out and do the uh, academic redshirt year, which was a good learning experience. It helped me mature not only as a student, but as an athlete. Made me put some things in perspective. Helped me realize that you you don't have to be the most athletically gifted, but if you put in the work in the film room, you will look like you are the most athletically gifted because you will be prepared. And so that just helped me mature. And so from there, I went to Livingstone and I met Coach Sean Gilbert and Ted Washington. They'll probably go in the Hall of Fame sooner or later for the NFL. One of my best friends, Jacoye Patton, from Limestone, those were his high school coaches. And Jacoye said, "Hey man." If you're going to transfer, I'd rather you go to these guys because I trust them. So I'm going in there as a wide receiver, and uh, I did very good in camp. We had our with our end of camp scrimmage. I scored two touchdowns. You know, they're looking at me like, hey, we need to get you the ball. O-line isn't very well. Do you mind playing tight end? I'm like, playing tight end? No, I don't, I don't know about that. And so they pulled me into a room because they didn't want to say it in front of the rest of the team. They were like, you know, you're a – you're a good wide receiver, but with our experience, we don't think that you could play wide receiver in the NFL and it's nothing against you. But you would be a great tight end as a pro prospect, in which I gave them a chance. I heard, I heard them out, and, you know, they turned out to be right because I'm a tight end running a, a 4.59 to a 4.62. I can run routes with some of the best receivers. You know, I catch with my hands. No, I was a good prospect coming out. I got a chance with the Panthers from that. And uh, obviously, I got drafted to the XFL. I played for the D.C. Defenders. So, you know, that's really my story on how we got to where I'm at today with the game of football.
1: Let's rewind here a little bit. I didn't realize you attended a couple schools. And as my listeners always recall, I don't claim to be the best researcher. So I missed (laughs) that. And that's, you know, it's good because – it just shows your journey is there's much more Mm -hmm. than meets the eye, even for somebody that like me that starts Googling and trying to dive into something. So there's always more to a player and it just kind of shows your commitment. Like you walking in the front door, your cleats and obviously the phone just with your highlights. I mean, that's really awesome. I'm glad to see that you're still at it, that that part of you has never wavered. And I have never met you in person, obviously. So You know, this is, I just think it's pretty cool. I'm kind of, don't normally get caught in a speechless at times, but you know, I I think that's pretty interesting. Now, before we speed ahead to your professional opportunities, I believe that you participated at the FCS poll.
5: Yes, sir. I did.
1: So that's an honor in and of itself. So what did that opportunity mean to you? It
5: meant the most to me that I proved myself right, not necessarily anybody wrong. You know, they when we got there, a guy explained to me, hey, you went to a Division two school and you're here. Look how many Division two players are even at your position that are here. And, you know, I'm the only one. And so that kind of put it in perspective, like, because I always get told, you know, be thankful for the journey. Don't wait until it's over to be thankful for it. During the journey, I had a friend during the draft. I had a decent draft grade. I thought I was going to get picked up in the in the, one of the last rounds. He told me, I understand your life is a movie right now, but don't be afraid to sit back and watch it sometime. You have a lot going on. Be thankful for it. And so, you know, I always take pride in things like that. Just being at an FCS Bowl, learning with other players, helping uh, the same way I'm learning from them, they're learning from me with certain things. And it's just cool to me that even at the level they played at, that we're still all one and the same. Because, you know, you always hear, oh, well, that's just a Division Two player. He's a Division One player. And you learn that the only thing that is different from y'all is, you know, could have been a situation that y'all were in and the high schooling situation or more people seeing them, or, you know, he may knew somebody. So just something like that, it was very cool for me at the FCS Bowl I caught a pass or two in there. I got some good blocks. Still talked to some of the guys that I played with in there. And then I went to the CGS after that. And uh, CGS was a beautiful thing. You know, just a bunch of great players from all divisions, uh, all the way down to NAIA. Uh, It was a guy from Alabama that was there with us. You know, it was just a great group of guys just grinding to get better. Everybody wants to see everybody get better. I had one uh, quarterback. He was like, uh, we had a corner up in our routes. He was like, man, they want you to break it high. So when you break it high, just run to the end zone. We're on like the 45. He was like, let's just show them I have a big arm. Let's just show them you can run down whatever's in the air. So, you know, guys just want to see everybody win. So that was just a beautiful thing, in my opinion.
1: It's obviously a game, but there's so much more to it, right? You guys have practices. Mm -hmm. So you guys get a chance to interact. Pretty well with the coaches. It's not like you just show up for a game and the coach is trying to wing it with you guys. You guys have a chance to build some chemistry, not obviously to the extent that you have with your college team, but to some extent you get to interact with people. But also throughout that week, most of these type of bowl games or these all star games, you know, for the lack of a better term, also have a lot of pro scouts in attendance, whether they be they from do. the National Football League, mm-hmm. Canadian Football League. And, I mean, the time frame, you're out, there may have been USFL or XFL scouts yes, in attendance. So, throughout that week, maybe after the game, how much interaction did you have with scouts that seemed to have some interest in you?
5: I had a few interactions. I think my first one, uh, it was that exact corner route that I was talking about. I caught it. I tiptoed the sideline for a little bit, and I went out of bounds, and I looked up. And you could see him right down on the clipboard. That same scout from the New York Jets came and spoke with me after that particular practice. And then um, when you got back to the hotel, some scouts that stayed there, you know, they'll ask for your hotel room number. They'll come and speak with you. They'll do interviews at certain times. I talked to the Jets, the Rams, the Ravens, the Packers. The Packers uh, scout, Donovan Jackson, what was funny, he was the same scout. He dropped this stuff when we were getting off the plane's bag rip, and I had an extra bag that I just wasn't using. Hey, man, you can use this. You know, it's a bag I didn't care for. It was just I just I I overpack whenever I go out of town. So hey man, you use this, you keep it. Turns out he's a packer scout, and that just happened to be the guy that gave me the nod for to have a pro day. Nice. Yeah, he texted me. I was like, hey man, be ready. You know, for whatever it's worth. You know, go and make the most of it. I was just speechless. So I I was preparing for a pro day, but I knew. The reality of it, going to a Division two school, you know, I'm probably not going to have one. But he he did that for me, and I'm forever
1: grateful to him. You know, that just goes to prove a lot of those old sayings. People are always watching. You never know what mm-hmm. moment is going to be your opportunity to create other opportunities. These type of old sayings and old thought processes. But, I mean, yeah, if you never overpacked, which is just a trait to yourself. You would have never had that bag. If you wouldn't have had that bag, you couldn't have stopped him. But even having that bag, you still, out of the kindness of yourself or out of your own morals and ethics, you stopped to help this guy that you didn't know that. That turns into it's just crazy how this world works sometimes, Bernard, isn't it?
5: <laughs> yeah, it's amazing.
1: So intriguing. Well, okay. So that led to a pro day for you. So where was the pro day? And How did that help you? Because you you alluded to playing or having an opportunity with the Carolina Panthers. So why don't you just kind of share with us how that came about, where it was, and whatnot. So
5: the pro day was at UNC Charlotte. Because I didn't attend school with their team, I had to do my drills with some other guys. We did ours at 7 in the morning. I said I prepared for a pro day. But, you know, you, you always get nervous. That's the biggest interview in my life at the time. And got there. We had to be there at 7. I got there about 6.45. Got stretched, got loose. Did the 225, 19 times. I weighed in at uh, 250, 253, I think. Somewhere in that area. So now it's time to get on the field. And I jumped the vertical about 34, 35, one to 2. But get on the field, and that's where everybody, you can just hear – you know, being nervous in their, in their voice because it's time to run to 40 now. And everybody says what time they'll run, but, you know, that clock never lies. And then it was laser. And I've never been on a laser clock. So I'm like, man, you know, I think I'm a four or five guy. I think I'm pretty fast, but and I don't know. After I ran my, my two times and I did my other times, uh, the Patriots guy was talking to me. Afterwards, I 2008, hey, man. I didn't hear my times. You didn't mind telling me. I said, "Man, we got you down at a a four six two and a four six three. And I'm like, "Wow!" And I, I was just shocked myself. And I knew that was the missing piece that I needed. And from then on, I have one of my best friends is the starting tight end for the Carolina Panthers, Ian Thomas. He texts me and said, "Hey, man, the best I can do is put a word in for you for a rookie mini count. And I get a text at like two in the morning from my agent. Hey, uh, need you in Charlotte tomorrow? Panthers are going to be waiting. And you know, I was in shock. I'm like, man, it's got to be a joke. But nah. So I text Ian. Hey, I'm gonna be there tomorrow. It would be cool if you you know come show up. I'm kind of nervous. And uh, Ian came and walked in with me, and I almost broke down in tears. And I seen my locker, seen my name tag, shirt, shorts, you know, the whole nine. And I was almost in tears. And I think I probably shed a few tears on my way out of the facility. But just being in there, getting that opportunity from a pro day that I, you know, I didn't even know I was going to have. It just meant a lot to me. It meant a lot because, you know, as a kid loving football, playing football, you dream of just seeing your name on a locker in the NFL room and hey, this is yours. So that was just amazing to me.
1: So we will get to the XFL piece here. And I'm not just saying that to you, Bernard, but for the listeners are still tuning in because, you know, this is an XFL related show. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they know that segment's coming. I think it's important to follow this path a little bit. So what was the communication, the feedback that you got from the Panthers after that minicamp?
5: I was a great route runner. They wanted me to beef up a little more for the blocking game just to make myself available because uh, you know, most teams well with them, I played a little bit in the slot and I was more of a you know, your Travis Kelsey kind of guy. Like he's out there, but do you really want him blocking too much? You know, he's you know, you want him with the ball in his hands and that's what I was used for. So that's what I took pride in going into when I left there. And I like I said, I still talk to the assistant head coach every other day. Uh me and his son, we throw the football around. His son they're from uh where I went to high school at. I talked to Ian every now and then, because you know, he gets busy during the season. But it was never any uh any uh, bad blood or anything. They gave great feedback. And like I said earlier, you know, I'm just grateful that coming from a division two, you know, I even got that opportunity just being in there. It was amazing to me.
1: So, all right, that did not materialize. It happens. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you know, there's so many players, only so many opportunities. I get it for one reason or another. So now you're, you're left looking for the next opportunity. Right. You've spoken with various scouts from various leagues. I know at some point you end up participating at the NFL Alumni Academy. Yes, so sir. without jumping ahead, I mean, I don't know where you're at in the process here from leaving the Panthers minicamp to before you get to the Alumni Academy. What happens in between there? Are you having more discussions? Is there Um, workouts? Because there's a bunch of other workouts, you know, where there used to be the hub camps, which are now uh, grid, you know, the XFL showcases. We're going to keep moving forward, but I don't want to leave anything unturned. Were there opportunities with arena or indoor football leagues or, you know, overseas, anything in between there that we might be missing?
5: Yes, sir. So the Arizona Rattlers did reach out. My agent has a a good um, relationship with them. But nothing ever came from it. So I'm a person on, I always told myself, even as as a kid, community service, pouring back into your community, uh, being what you wish you had. And when I say that, being just being touchable, being reachable for a kid who you don't know their situation, but it could be worse than what you had as a kid. So them seeing that they are at arm's reach of somebody who's been in a room that they aspire to be in can change the old trajectory of their life. So during that time, man, I went, did community service with churches. Champ Kelly, the assistant GM for the Raiders, that's like one of my big brothers, me and his friends, we went back to his hometown. We did uh, community service there. We did some community service with the high schools in Las Vegas as well. And then I did a CFL workout, and that's where I ran the 458 and then the 459. That's all that went on up until the NFL Alumni Academy, man. Just community service everywhere.
1: So how did that opportunity come about? Was that something that you sought out? Was it something that along the way somebody recommended?
5: My agent recommended it because the guy, he was like a tight end guru. Brian Pacucci. he trained a lot of good tight ends. that's usually whatever he writes up about tight ends when it comes to like their draft grades and stuff, people usually go with that because he knows a lot. He was going to be there, so it was a great opportunity. And my agent signed me up and they accepted me. So he was like, hey, you know, it's free if you go. You know, you just have to pay him back if you make an XFL roster. rough. okay, cool. So I just have to make a roster. That's the goal anyway. Went there for three weeks and got some of the best work that I think I'ma ever get in a three-week time span. Some of the top trainers and Chip Smith, who's world renowned. He's known for being One of the top from here to China, really. Like, he's amazing. And uh, he happened to train one of my good friends before his pro day down there in Atlanta. And then, uh, you know, we ate well, had good nutrition. And then the group of tight ends that I was with, I talked to every single one of them still to this day because they're all great football players, but they're just all great people, man. In those three weeks, we built a bond amongst ourselves that, you know, even when we all went to separate XFL teams, uh, when you get to the XFL, everybody meets up in this one bit in the Choctaw Stadium. And we all seen each other and it was like a huge family reunion. Like we had to, like we haven't seen each other in years and it, it just had been a month or two. You know, we were so excited to see each other. We still talk to each other. You see us constantly posting each other's pictures, their accomplishments. Uh, it was just a beautiful thing, you know.
1: So, what in particular? Did it do for your game? You talk about the coaching is really good. Did you notice something in your game or did they notice it that you worked on that you significantly improved? Is there like a key area or two that now you've added something to your arsenal, so to speak? Mm -hmm.
5: So I improved on blocking because I understood blocking schemes and things like that. But also looking at how well a professional defense can disguise things, showing us keys. In the game nowadays, you have linebackers who could be the most athletic person on the field. But at the end of the day, they still have to cover and get to a certain place. So they can't hide that. They have to cheat over there a little bit. Just showing us little things like that. uh, Showing me how to read coverages on the run. So I could be in the middle of running a route and I'm looking, okay, 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 cool, let me just drop down. You know, just something like that. Something simple like that. It's simple, but With the game happening so fast, you know, it's a lot to think about, but they made it like a second nature, uh, helping us call out blitzes if the quarterback doesn't see it and we see it. Yeah, that really for my game, that was it. Blocking and uh, being able to read coverages.
1: Well, it's always intriguing. You know, I ask people when they go north of the border, the game is significantly different. What, Where did Mm -hmm. it improve their game when they play arena or indoor? No, definitely go to an academy like that because a lot of the coaches that are tied there have NFL ties. And it's like you, you mentioned to get essentially professional, top notch professional coaching. You know, they're just not in the NFL anymore. I know it used to be the, um, what was it, the Minnesota Vikings head coach mm-hmm. is part of the NFL. Like, you're getting former head coach. Yep, in so, I mean, that's it's very interesting that, yeah, there's got to be significant takeaways. Now, obviously, there was a partnership between the NFL Alumni Academy and the XFL. So I'm assuming this is what also probably give you that opportunity with the XFL. Yes, sir. And, I mean, it was a little later in camp, right? You weren't there for day one. But- oh, no,
5: we were. So this is how they did it. They had a partnership, and you were guaranteed to be put in the draft that they had. Some of us got drafted in that draft and then they did another draft for strictly XFL players. I happened to get drafted in the first draft. So the DC defenders owned my rights just as they did with everybody else in my tight end group. And then they did another draft, like another supplemental draft right before uh, maybe two or three days before camp. And then everybody met down there on January 7th. And then I want to say that's when, you know, cuts happen and then they start bringing more people in. And then you may see somebody who was at the academy or you may see somebody who went and played in the uh, USFL. All
1: right. So you're at camp with the D.C. Defenders, who, although they didn't win the championship, seem to be the best team, right? Record wise or yep. not. So you, you went into camp with a loaded roster, but a coaching staff that is pretty amazing. If you look at the experiences they've had compared to some of the other coaching Mm -hmm. staffs, can you kind of just walk us through what your experience was arriving at camp? And I know it's kind of tough because you don't have a lot of professional playing experience to compare it, but just kind of share us what the experience was, you know, from a coaching, obviously we know it was a hub format. So everyone's, you know, living in Arlington, Texas, but can you just kind of walk us through what it was like? And ultimately, your departure, how did that come about?
5: Okay, so when I got there, Reggie Barlow and uh, Coach Harris, that was the quarterback coach in the OC, they had coached in my conference prior to becoming XFL coaches. So they kind of made me feel comfortable. You know, they let me know, hey, you don't try to be a superhero, you know, do what's asked of you and then add your own sauce after that. And that whole coaching staff was amazing. That whole coaching staff is amazing. I rooted for them the whole year, even after my departure. Those are some genuine coaches from offense to defense to even just special teams. The team is as well. Everybody on there were team players. My position coach, great guy. He was a winner. He was on that. He gave Cam Newton his only loss in college. He was at uh, Navarro College when Cam Newton went to junior college. He beat Cam Newton. He's just a great coaching staff. Reggie Barlow said something to us. And it stuck with me from the time he said it. He asked us, How do you spell love? And you know, of course, like any other guy, oh yeah, you spell it L-O-V-E, coach. What you mean? He said, No, you spell it T-I-M-E, because you spend time with the things you love. And it was just that word opened up so many different, just different meanings for me. Cause oh, I say I love this. Am I spending enough time with it? You know, and he'll he drop gems like that from time to time. You no, know, very great guy. You know, I wish the best for him and the rest of that coaching staff and that team, no matter if I get another chance with him or any other team, It's no bad blood there. And I tell them that whenever we talk, you know, I love them. Like, I love them. My whole tight end room, they all, we all still speak. more. Moore, he's, me and him talk the most. I was in the process of having a son at the time. I had just had my little boy, and, you know, I'm away from him, so I'm trying to figure out how do y'all deal with being away from your kids. And from then on, he took me under his wing, whether it was on the field or off the field. And when I text the guys about my departure, you know, and it was just a numbers thing, you know, not necessarily I did anything wrong. He talks to me all the time, and then all the rest of the guys when I told them about it. And, you know, we can never help, you know, just hit us up, and, you know, they all checked on me when I got Make sure I've made it home safely. We still talk every now and then. You know, they all just check in on I me. Mean, like I said, that team is full of great people from the players to the behind the scenes to the equipment room. Uh, they're 100% great people. I have no complaints, any bad words about
1: them. It's unfortunate because it's tough when you're the one <laughs> make, not making the cut. It is a numbers thing, it is a business. You know, we hear it all the time. And we see players talking about it all the time. And you can kind of see how it impacts people. So you go home, kind of a blessing and a curse, because now you get to spend time Mm -hmm. with your son and something that you were lacking. But at the same time now, it just means that that door kind of got closed for the time being. Mm -hmm. What did you end up doing? Did you end up pursuing another opportunity elsewhere? Did you get an opportunity elsewhere? Because I'm not aware of, you know, anywhere that you may have played since then. I know that eventually you were at the showcase.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so kind of just walk us through, because that's still a lot of time. You, you leave camp so, you know, it's February or whatever. And, you know, several months go by before I can connect your timeline.
5: <laughs> okay, so left camp, so left camp, right? the week of the first game. So the week of the Super Bowl, maybe come home and, you know, only thing I know is hard work. You know, you have time to cry about it later, you know, work hard and get back to what, you know. So that's exactly what I did. Went and did more community service. I read to some kids in school. I spent most of my time doing that and just, you know, getting back on my grind. And so, I went to showcases again this year. I went to St. Louis and then I went to Orlando because last year uh, when Dion was at Jackson State, Coach Prime was at Jackson State, I was a part of that HBCU class that got invited to go there. So I said, you know, it worked first time. Let me try again. And I did that. You know, just exactly what I'm doing now, just still working hard, waiting to hear back, you know, what could go on and how things could be. Uh, from well, I've talked to some USFL coaches as well. I still talk to a few XFL coaches. Nothing, you know, promising or very serious should I say. But you know, just yeah, you, you know, they know my name and things like
1: that. is still good. Maybe it's hmm. not the level of communication or the dialogue that you have hoped for in these conversations, but the fact that a text is being answered, a phone call is being answered you know and you're able to have an exchange that's still a good sign you're not completely on the outside it may not be as much on the inside that you like to be but i would think that's encouraging and something to to keep striving for you're definitely on the radar we're caught up you made it to orlando even though i was there we didn't cross paths i was there as a member of the media so that's unfortunate but we're connecting now you obviously had contact at various showcases with the XFL, with the D.C. Defenders in camp leading up to the 2023 season, you're kind of in this limbo area. And I don't know what happens because it's a limbo we haven't quite seen before, right? Spring football has been kind of a rocky place, but now we have this merger talk, right? And I'm not going to hang my hat on that too much because it is what it is. It either happens, it doesn't happen, it's approved or it's not approved right. But it kind of puts you in a tough spot. So what what are you doing now? I mean, because you still got to keep a roof over your head, put food on the mm-hmm. table, clothes on your back. You have a child, right? So, I mean, like, what are you doing and how, how are you juggling it all? I mean, because you have a passion, but you're also, you got to survive. So how are you juggling it all to be ready for if that phone call comes, you're ready to go?
5: So for me to make time for me to work during the day, I just work out. I get to the gym at 4.30 a.m try to work out from 4.30 to maybe 6, 6.15-ish, head home, wash, maybe take a quick nap, and then get up, head to work. And that's really my cycle every day,
1: every day, except Sundays. Every day except Sundays and Saturdays. Gotcha. I know some people have obviously talked to you, but there's going to be some coaches that probably haven't had that opportunity to actually get to know you as a person. And they get to see your numbers as a player, you know, those measurables but maybe they don't know you as a a person. So I always give everyone their soapbox. So I'm going to let you get up on there because I have had some executives and some coaches, so they're aware of the show. I don't know how much they listen to it, but this will be your opportunity that if one of those other coaches are tuning in right now that haven't had a chance to actually get to know you, why don't you kind of share what makes you uniquely you and separates you from the other players? Because, I mean, everyone's different. Good, bad, or ugly, everyone's different. So who is Bernard McCall?
5: Bernard McCall is, and that can be uh, researched, one of the most unselfish and hardworking people that you could have in a locker room. I clap for everybody because I know if they're winning, that means I'm winning. I take pride in seeing my teammates succeed. I'm also, like I say, very unselfish. I don't mind... Being, you know, the guy that has to do the dirty work, I was double covered my whole senior year in college. So I understand if I have to just, I'm running somebody out to play. That won't bother me. If I get no touches and we get 10 straight wins, you know, that's fine with me because I want to win. I like to win. I love to win. And I hate to lose. So I'm always be the guy staying after practice. I'm always be the guy asking questions and film, seeing how I can help. And then, like uh, Bears reporter during the draft wrote on me, I am the jack of all trades. You know, I can line up at an H back, help you out at fullback. I can take the handoff at running back. I can go play slot receiver. I can get down at tight end. Uh, I have background of quarterback. You know, whatever you need, whether even if you just want me to just keep running down on special teams, whatever you need, I won't second guess you. Listen to you. We're going to go out with your plan, and if it doesn't work, we're going to figure out what else next that you want, and I'm going to go do it again. You don't have to worry about me second-guessing or questioning whatever your instructions are.
1: Well, Bernard, it has been a pleasure. I appreciate you taking the time for you to come on to the show and share your football journey, your XFL experience, just your grind for another XFL opportunity. So I really wish you the best of health and luck, because I believe it's very important. It's not just luck. Health is a key component in people having those opportunities to continue to surface and seek. If you're blessed and fortunate to make an XFL team for the 2024 season, I'm going to give you an open invitation. Come on back if you're interested to share your continued experience getting back into the league and getting on a team, and just how the season's going for you, your team, and whatnot.
5: Yes, sir. And I'm, I'm going to accept it in advance, Because I appreciate you even taking the time for me to even do this.
1: Well, you're welcome, and I appreciate that. But before you go, here's your opportunity to share with everyone that might be a little bit more interested in learning more of who you are, what your journey's going to come of this. Why don't you share where they could follow you on social media, any side hustles or gigs you got going on, Please do. All
5: right. I'm on Twitter or X, whatever it's called, and Instagram under the same username. is Dolas World 23 D-O-L-A-S, then World23. TikTok too, I guess. I post videos there. And I'm free to answer any questions. If anybody just even needs motivation, you know, I'm free to help share more of my story if you have any questions. Yeah, that's really all I got.
1: <laughs> that's all good. Thank you, Bernard.
5: Yes, sir. I appreciate you.
1: You're welcome. I am grateful that Bernard reached out and wanted to share his story. Although I did some research on Bernard's career, I didn't even know the extent of his collegiate experience. Like many players, Bernard's journey is unique and his grind is real. I wish him the best of health and luck as he continues to pursue his next opportunity. Unfortunately, we do not have any fan line messages this week. If you have an XFL-related comment, question, or hot take and would like it to be heard on the show, reach out to the fan line by calling 863-TALK-XFL or 863-825-5935. Doing so, your message could be included in an upcoming episode. All good things must come to an end. This concludes another episode of Player 54 podcast. As always, I am interested in receiving your feedback, so do not be a stranger. Reach out to let me know your thoughts, and if you do so, your comments might just make it on the show. But before you go, do not forget to subscribe and rate the show on your platform or choice. One last thing. If you are interested in checking out our friends over at True Victory, do not forget to click on the link in the show's description and notes, as well as that sweet code, player fifty-four for 15% off your purchase. Thank you for tuning in.
0: Till next time, cheers. Thank you for tuning into today's show. Don't forget to subscribe and rate Player 54 podcast on your platform of choice. You can follow the show on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at player54podcast. Do you have a question or topic you would like to have addressed on the show? Message the show via social media or send an email to player54podcast at gmail.com.